And just like that, welcome back into the studio. It's Josh Carey right here on 710 WOR, the voice of New York. And anytime you need it, day or night, on that iHeartRadio app. I'm really thrilled to be into the studio today. I have my co-host, Jess Bernard, here. Jess, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling good. How are you? I'm excellent. So what I really like about today's conversation is you're going to be for lack of a better, the female voice for me here, because as we know, I'm the male voice. Now, what we're talking about, we have Sarah Whitney in studio with us. She's the author of the book, Pretty Young, Being Unapologetically Female in a Man's World. Now, what's interesting is, I don't know what this means, but I can relate to this book. I'm a man in a man's world, and I could relate to this book, so I'm very interested to see how this plays. So, Hidden Nation, if you are someone that mm, just 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 needs a little direction on how to make heads or tails of this thing called life, we have a very good uh, version for you. But Jess, I want to get your opinion. What has it been like with that subtitle, being unapologetically female in a man's world, does that resonate? Oh, yeah. I mean, I can really relate. I feel like I've been living in a man's world or realized it since I was like 13, right? You know, that this is a man's world. And what does that mean, though? What happened at 13? It's hard. That, that, it's just hard to be a female. It's different. It's different. It's not that it's not hard to be a male. It's just different hard to be a woman. What days. do you think? Different pressures, yeah. body image. I mean, it's all about being pretty and skinny or, you know, just different and, and yeah and we don't have those kinds of pressures right like we don't we don't need to be pretty and skinny i mean the dad bod is pretty in right now okay so i mean there's no mom bod so there's all these different <laughs> pressures right because on the on the other side what is our pressure stereotypically where we're the ones that are sent out right to you make gotta the, provide to provide, sure. Just like a first date. When you go on a first date, the man is expected to pay. Although it's, you know, different these days. But even the first date, the man should still pay, many women say. So ultimately, it's just a man's world still. Yeah. And I mean, every boss I've ever had has been a man. Interesting. And I think that's, I think there's, I don't know the statistics, but I know there's a lot less women bosses to what? male bosses in general and even in Smaller terms, you know, whether it's CEO or just yeah. manager. What's interesting is, funny enough, I want to bring Sarah right onto the mic. Uh, welcome to the show, by the way, Sarah. Hello, hello. How are we? I am excellent. I'm so glad you brought this book to of the course. table today, literally, because like I said, I can relate to this because short and sweet, my story as the hidden entrepreneur spent four plus decades hiding all of my true talent and ability in exchange for desperately wanting to seek approval. Is that mm -hmm. sort of a through line of what could be related in the book? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I wrote the book like I was telling you earlier before we hopped on the mic, but I feel like a lot of the experiences that girls go through, whether that be like Jessica was saying, body image, mental health, just not feeling adequate or good enough. I feel like a lot of that is expressed later on in life by women, um, either through books or interviews. But no one is really my age. I'm 25 years old. I feel like no one is really capturing 
that exact feeling in the moment. And that's kind of, that was my goal writing the book. I wanted to capture exactly how I was feeling at 23 when I was writing it. And so, yeah, that's kind of how this book came about. And I know that the reception has been extraordinary. We're going to get into some of the specifics, but something Jess was saying about the bosses she's had have been male. Your current boss, I know, is is a woman, right? You're mm-hmm. employed by Vayner, currently Vayner 3, formerly Vayner NFT. And even before that, you were with Vayner Talent mm-hmm. as a copywriter, right? Yes. And now your boss is a woman. Yes. So what is that environment like? Does that does that change anything? What do we say about uh, Jess's statement about, you know, the majority of bosses being men? Yeah, I've had 50-50, actually. Um In college, I had a lot of male bosses when I was working in internships. But actually, after college, post-grad, I've had a lot of women leaders. So that's amazing. I think it definitely, um, women have a tendency, and not to say that men can't, but women have a tendency to bring vulnerability up to the forefront of their leadership, whereas men, I don't necessarily find that. Um, Not to say you can't, but... Mm -hmm. That's one thing I've really appreciated about having women leaders is the vulnerability, empathy, and just overall, I think, communication in terms of, you know, bringing your personal life and your professional life together in a beautiful way. I think that is really what I get out of female leadership. Jess, if she's talking about this empathy angle for the female bosses, have you found in your professional career with the male bosses, is there a distinct lack of that connection and empathy and compassion? I mean, I, I don't know. I think it's just different. I think, you know, I, I've just been, I've just not had many women bosses, but of course, right. you know, there are out there and many sure. people have, but, um, you know, I, it's, you know, it, I would imagine it is, I would imagine it's very different. I've just, I have honestly never had a female boss. So as the male boss, you have felt, uh, now that you're thinking about it, there's, is there is there a lack of empathy and compassion? I know that somebody like Gary at the top of Vayner Media, of course, is mm-hmm. that's that's what he's all about. Yeah, right? bringing exactly. empathy to the forefront of of everything. You know, I think I've been lucky to have pretty decent bosses yeah. too. So I think they have had empathy, maybe not as much as a woman would naturally have. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, I just don't know. Jess, we were talking about the the message or at least one of the messages that you as a young female continually hear about what it takes to succeed as an entrepreneur, however you're going to define that, or as a woman in the workplace, I imagine. And part of it you were saying is that what? That that the message you're always hearing is that you have to you have to do what? You have to put yourself out there? What does mm-hmm. that mean? I feel like as women, especially nowadays, we have to either be pretty we have to you know just show up on social media constantly we kind of have to look like that influencer that we see on tiktok instagram whatever social media platform you decide to show up on and that can be stressful a lot of the times because what if we don't look like that what if we don't you know present ourselves or what if we don't necessarily want to showcase our entire personal life on the internet i feel like oftentimes that's the message especially women who are younger are interested in entrepreneurship that's kind of the message we've been told or have been told I guess over the last it's been a short while since obviously TikTok took off but we can see how it's influenced life as we know it just in terms of like marketing and everything but 
I think that's the message we've been kind of feeding ourselves. So it's kind of like, okay, how do we counteract that? How do we go from here? And how do we actually show up authentically as ourselves? And obviously you have to kind of go with the times. You have to understand how social media works if you want your business to you know, do well to a certain extent. You have to personal brand yourself, but how much do you have to do it? Do you actually have to feed into what society is telling us about being X, Y, and Z? Or do you, can you actually go off and do your own thing? And the, the irony is that once you take this said advice and put yourself out there, what then winds up happening? Everyone then tries to tear you down? Yeah. So I feel like oftentimes if we do then show up on social media, do the whole thing, whatever avenue or industry you want to kind of represent, you show up on social media being vulnerable because, you know, it takes a certain level of vulnerability to go on social media, you know, put your face out there and show off X, Y, and Z, your knowledge. And oftentimes, especially on TikTok, I've noticed People are very ruthless. I don't know why. I, I don't know why they feel like they can hide behind this little um, avatar that they have, but they're ruthless. And then mm-hmm. when you experience that level of hatred from, you know, random people that you have no idea who they are, you don't know where they live, you don't know, yeah. <laughs> you don't have any context. That's really debilitating for women who want to kind of continue down the path of entrepreneurship. Yeah, I mean, I think what you said before too, it takes a lot of courage to even make the videos and posts and be so out there on social media to Mm -hmm. begin with, right? I mean, and it takes a lot of work to become good at it and to be famous and to really make it. Exactly. Like, it's just, it's... It's a different world. I mean, it's it's very scary, but yeah, I mean, everything you said is just so true. It's- yeah, and people think it happens overnight. Like even something like what we're doing right now, like this would be nerve wracking for a lot of people. Like putting yourself out there is nerve wracking and like you're always going to have someone tear you down. But I think in the context of when you do it at such a young age from, I, I don't know, from childhood to say you're 22 like still or just about to graduate college those are prime years of your life where you're still figuring out your identity and not to say that we don't always figure out you know we're not constantly you know trying to figure out that and evolve and stuff like that but I feel like those prime years when you hear such negative things about yourself and you're in this questioning mode that can be really detrimental to just your overall view of how you view yourself how you view life where you're going the whole nine yards. It's it's amazing that you mentioned the word fame. Is that is there a, a level of that? Is is that the end result we're going for? Well, I mean, some of the you know, I I watch some you know Charlie DeMeo. I don't know yeah. dance like so. There are many you know famous girls out there, and even now, and now the young like young. I mean, I'm 31, but I it's so much it's so different like some of these girls who are really good at it like this one girl olivia pontas whatever but now she's like the media person for sports illustrated based on the fact that she was just amazing at you know social media and it's all about the pressure it's just everything you write about i mean your beginning line you know i think i've seen you at the gym before it's like that's <laughs> like every guy says and and that's what life what is all yeah tell me wait what what did you just say i said yeah. like you know i one of the you know, it starts with your book starts with I think I've seen you in the gym before, like on the first page. And I mean, that's like what every guy says. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and the gym is such a big part of life. So 
Yeah. And a lot of it revolves around looks, unfortunately, yeah. even though, you know, it should be revolved around your actual well-being and health and fitness. Right. But looks, yeah. is, is, looks is so much, you know, I don't want to be too vain, but. Yeah. So I want to ask each of you how, if that's, I don't know, is, is that just a, a, a matter of fact of life that you have to figure out how to accept or work with that it is about looks or how do you either tone that down or play into it? I mean, I don't want to be too real here, but go for it. It's nothing worse <laughs> than to be not cute, right? Not, not pretty these days. I don't know. It just seems it's like it's different. Why is having a cute face, as you say, Jess? Is is that the it's pretty important? Does that solve everything, or does that come with its own problems? Or is where, where do a bit of both, right? Yeah. Always. Well, does I it mean, solve like, everything? No, it doesn't solve everything. I mean, it could solve everything. It depends on. Depends on your standards, but no, I'm just kidding. I, yeah, I but I we mean, are talking about a, a physical appearance, mm -hmm. but that can only go so far to your goals, right? Oh, of course, of course. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it's tricky because obviously looks aren't everything. I think number one is working on yourself and being at peace with how you look, regardless of how you popped out of, you know, your mom's womb. That, those were the looks you were given. And obviously we live in a day and age where plastic surgery is right. you know, big. And you know what? If you want to do that, great. If you don't, respect that too. <laughs> That's kind of besides the point. <laughs> like basically I think it's really just working on yourself. And yeah, looks can get you far. But I think at the end of the day, it's like personality too. Because you can have a pretty face. But if you're a difficult person to work with or mm. if you're just not a nice person – that I think that is worse because that can get around. And that's I think the last thing you want to hear is so and so said X, Y and Z about this person because they're not kind their you know, their integrity is low, all of that. So I think trying to kind of reframing how we view beauty also, I think it should start with like, do you have a beautiful personality? And then, oh, but she has a pretty face, too. That's a plus. Cool. But I think it should really be focusing on like young girls should be focusing on, do I have a great personality? Because that's what's going to sell at the end of the day because our looks fade at the, like, you know, our looks fade. We we grow old and, you know, we might not look how we did when we were 20 and that's totally fine. But you always have your personality. Yeah, I mean, and there are, I mean, nowadays every girl is is pretty. That's also what makes it crazy. It's all about having a personality too because I swear every girl I see is pretty these days, whether you're 20 to 60, 70, I don't know how, how hot you could be past 70, but I mean. Hey, I've seen Jane Fonda. Uh, no, she is. That's true. That's true. What am I saying? What am I saying? But she's got a lot of money and not. I mean, yeah, she has some help and that's yeah, okay. She, money makes things different. But but these days, you know, and that, and that's the point. It's more, it's so much more about, you know, personality. It doesn't matter how tall or short you are. I mean, the, and nowadays, like, you know, surgery or not, every girl, has, a lot of girls have figured out how to be cute. You know, I, yeah. I, Guys, I don't know. They're, they're still on their way to figuring out. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, like you're getting at, There's Jess. There's many attractive men. I'm kidding. <laughs> well, and, and we all have, like, uh, I'm no six foot two, right? Let's be real. Right. So I'm, you know, five, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in my <laughs> five something, you know. I'm, uh, but um, so, I mean, that comes with its own 
insecurities growing up, does it not? Right. Because just Mm -hmm. like you're talking about a cute face, um, whether or not this face will get me in the door, then it's like, oh, wait. Oh, oh, there he is. Oh, I didn't see him. You really had to be small. So (laughs) I've learned early on, like we all do. You learn to sort of um, find your place through what you're given and how the world is reacting to you. I developed a uh, a very difficult uh, insecurity for much of my young life and through a, a good portion of my adulthood that I used I tried using my personality, my my cleverness, my wit and my sense of humor to sort of work through that. Um have you have you developed some of the same traits in working through insecurity? Yeah, I mean, I I mean growing up I used to be, I was on the chubbier side. You know, I carried a lot of baby weight. And because of that, I was made fun of a lot. And that obviously for any child, when you hear your classmates telling you that you're like fat or you have like, you look like not how everybody else does, then that can obviously tear you down, especially, you know, when you're hearing that at four or five years old, which another thing when you're, yes. Wow. And when you remember that. Yeah, that was actually one of my first memories when I was four years old. Who told you? My best friend at the time. We were playing mermaids um, in our swimming pool. and So innocent. I know. That was like the most innocent thing you could do. And she told me that. And that was something I just like stuck with me. What'd she say? She just told me, you're fat. And (laughs) I I was, she just was like point blank. And I, I remember just standing there and I was like, I mean, I didn't know this at the time, but like I didn't think this at the time. But yeah, I had all of my baby weight still on me. I'm four years old. <laughs> no, it's true. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, so that's young to be. Yeah, that's like, young. Mom, should I start dieting? Like it's dangerous, I know. right? It's really dangerous. But how old was the friend? She was also four. Wow. So <laughs> which which begs a whole other set of conversations. What was going on in her? Yeah, house, right? exactly. So even, I mean, who even? Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I mean, and then. That wasn't that was just wasn't just a one off conversation. Like I heard that from other people. And I think that kind of probably led I struggled with an eating disorder from like 16 to 20. And so that probably obviously led to that. But um, yeah, I mean, kind of going off to your back to your original question about what insecurities Mm. did I have and what did I rely on? And I always knew. I could talk. I love talking, if you can't tell. Um, and I'm very outgoing. So I love to make people laugh. I'm the entertainer also. Yes. So yeah. that that was what I would do. I remember third grade, I went in front of my class and performed a... I'm, I just actually remembered this memory about a few weeks ago. But I went in front of my third grade class and performed a play that I made up with my friends... <laughs> And I was kind of like the ringleader and I was like, okay, this is what you're going to do. We made a play and I don't, I don't even remember what it was necessarily about, but I performed in front of class, like stuff like that. That's what I would love to do. I was always performing. I was in theater, you know, in elementary school and stuff like that, dancing. And that's what I really relied on is entertaining others. Yeah. I mean, some of the things too, I have to, you know, go back to what you said about, you know, you being four years old and then throughout the years, you know, things people have said, you know, it, it sits so hard. Like I can remember, like, I love my cousin, but you know, when I was like, I think I was 14, 15, she says to me, you know, oh, you could really be a model if you lost 10, 15 pounds. And Ooh. I mean, she had good intentions. She's, she's tough, <laughs> you know, yeah. she's tough. And, and, and then if certain like, you know, things a friend or said throughout, you know, and I was never fat or anything like that, you know, but, and, but then I did, I, you know, I, 
lost 10 to 15 pounds and then just, you know, mm-hmm. certain things. And then things you instantly really... became a model. No, I wish. <laughs> I, wish. Right I wish. Oh, it doesn't Close. work like that. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. Oh, but you did lose 10 or 15 because I of mean, that statement. You know, I just, you know, not because of that statement, mm. but you, more like in high school, I was like a little bit, you know, definitely could have lost a few pounds. And then in college, I just got like, you know, started working out more, eating better, mm. you know, just stopped eating as many carbs. Wow. That's a difference. So I'm also, uh, I also play the role of the entertainer. Um, I, in eighth grade, got bit by the acting bug and realized that, oh my God, here's my drug. All this external applause and accolades, this feels Mm -hmm. great. This will numb and cure these insecurities that I'm feeling on the inside. It it didn't. But I spent, um, you know, decades of my life as an actor and filmmaker pursuing that. Now, it all, you know, there's a lot of good in that, but a lot of it was for those wrong reasons, trying to cure those insecurities through performance. Mm -hmm. And I talk a lot about, like, validation, too, in my book, Mm -hmm. because I think that's such a tricky subject, because when we're younger, we're supposed to have validation from our parents, especially, you know, the people who are in our, you know, circle and like healthy validation from teachers. But then we also are supposed to get to this point where we begin to go more internal and start to self-validate, which I don't think, and, you know, psychologists will say this too, not, we're not necessarily taught to do that because for example, we get like, we're graded. Everything is graded. We get awards for everything. Mm. Um, you know, we, there's ratings. You can name all of these things that have to do with validation. And all of it is external. But there is there needs to be a point where we teach children to look internal and, you know, be your own cheerleader because life gets hard. And you need to be able to cheer yourself up and cheer yourself on when you don't have anyone else to do that. And so, like, you saying that you were using acting mm-hmm. as a way to get, like, ex- that was external validation when in reality you needed to go, th- like, inward. Yes. And get the validation. Yeah, sorry, you get it. That's exactly right. I would I would get those applause or that laughter. And then when the curtain closed and I was just back again in my, you know, small little apartment, um, you know, smoking up and trying to numb all that pain. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> you know, we all find our vices, right? Yeah. So and it doesn't last. Uh, and it's interesting because um, what, cha- you know, I spent, like I said, over four decades in that dark, miserable, seeking approval life, knowing full well that I am capable of so much more. Here's where a lot of the frustration came from. And so much of what I preach today is that I knew my entire life what I was capable of doing. Mm-hmm. I was just scared out of my mind to do it because I didn't want to be judged or I didn't want to be disliked. Yeah. But it was crazy because I knew, do you you feel that as well? That we all, you know what you should be doing, even if you're falling short. That's why you're angry, miserable, frustrated, numbing. Yeah. And of course I can relate to that. And and also looking for validation, just like a lot of, I always just look for validation with ex-boyfriends. I feel like that's what my ex-boyfriend would say, that I... Looked for constant validation, you know. And who is he to give the val? Let's be real, (laughs) right? I mean, am I onto something? Like, right? Like, who is anybody to give you? Right? Mm -hmm. No, right? Exactly. You need that validation from within yourself. I mean, that's that's living, right? That's yeah. That's when you, yeah, yeah. And then 
I I currently have a uh, I, I have two children, which sort of helped take me from there to here over a short period of time. Today, my daughter's nine, so I'm interested in getting some you know some mm-hmm. some heartfelt maybe good advice. And uh, and my son is seven. Okay. Uh, and you know, during the first couple of years of their lives, I wasn't my best. I was far from it. Mm-hmm. I was still that angry, miserable, frustrated, depressed. Right. But you know, the frustration of knowing, wait a minute, I'm so much better than this. I knew my whole life I wanted to be a father, but now I have that chance and this is who they're going to model after. I'm like, no, no, no. I am better than this. And I know we all are better than what we give ourselves credit for at times. So I finally was able to uh, make the mental shift and start putting the pieces in place to just make better choices Mm -hmm. in the direction that I knew I needed to go. Yeah, and I think, you know, you kind of touched on just being honest with yourself, too. I think there's a point in life, and we all hit that point, you know, at different stages, but you have to, like, look at yourself in the mirror, essentially, and be like, okay, who do I want to be? Am I living up to the standards that I have for myself? Because you're right. We all, I'm a firm believer, like, we all are born into this world, and we, as young children, Mm -hmm. we all know or have an idea of what we want to do, but Mm -hmm. then people tell us, that idea is stupid or, you know, you can't do it. And we listen to them. Which yeah. Is crazy. Yeah, yeah. We listen to them. And then we have imposter syndrome because then we try to do what we want to do. But then those people, you know, that voice starts to rear its head in the back of your, you know, back of your head. And, and you're like, oh, wait, I can't do it. So I think, you know, being honest and like looking at yourself in the mirror and being like, OK, how do I do this? And like, you know, with your children, like you were saying, like, I think the best thing to do is, you know, just be honest with them because they're going to go through that too. And they need to like, we need all, we all need like parental figures Mm -hmm. to be able to, you know, let us know and that they're going through that because that's how, you know, we prepare our children. Yeah. Guidance is everything. I mean, you know, there, there should be a handbook, right. On how to grow up. Especially if you're a woman. No, I'm just kidding. If you're a male, <laughs> this too. might be the that, handbook. That, that, pretty that young. Handbook, right? well, yeah, I'm holding yes. in my hand. <laughs> exactly. Uh-huh. I mean, there's so much you don't know. Uh, of course, if I could go back to one, you know, beginning of high school, I would do it all over again. I'd do it amazing. I'd have it all right this time. And and would I choose to, if I, possible? Yes, because of course, I'm, time is everything. And you realize, you know, as you get older, that you. You, when you're young, you think you're like so old, right? But then you realize you're. What are you? Are you in a better place today than you were recently? No, I mean, I just think you know a lot more. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm mm-hmm. not in my 20s anymore, so that's kind of big for a girl too. It's different, mm-hmm. and yeah. the kids thing. I think passion is everything, right? So, yeah, or passion's a lot. It's important yeah. in life. Passion and grit is what my mom said, and I think grit. Is I think that's what's really important because it's a mixture of passion and resilience yes. because passion can run out at the end of the day because if you only have passion but you focus on what people say to you, then that passion's going to dwindle. So it's yeah. like the resilience aspect is super important to have as well. Absolutely. You have to be so resilient. I mean, you have to have tough skin and I, I can't tell you how brutal life has been at times but mm-hmm. and you know i feel like as women we think we're warriors and we are you know hey we can pop out babies for <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and 
and look like we didn't a month later. Yeah, I mean, you know, some people can. I'm I mean, sure. I'm not there yet. But. It scares me. I don't know. But that's not the goal, is it? No, 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 no. To like be able to do that and like, hey, I win because I was able to, as you said, pop out a baby and then look like I didn't. I was making later. a terrible joke. No, I know. <laughs> but I'm just bringing that conversation now to the forefront yeah. and saying, well, because because some people would say, no, for me, that is the goal. And well, that is I don't important. know if that should be their whole goal. I mean, they yeah. want a family, too. I mean, that should be pretty important. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like if that's a goal, it's fine to have that goal but don't make it your everything because that kind of just goes back to looks like you need Mm -hmm. to be taking care of your body because who knows whatever happened during you know your pregnancy or after there's a lot of complications you need to be care like at the end of the day now you're caring for another human you need to put that human in front of you and so but that's such a big thing I mean I have a dog and that's a lot (laughs) and I love my dog my dog's five years old but I really I hate to leave my dog alone um you know, it goes deeper than that, but it's just, it's, it's a big deal to have. No, it's like, kids. it's kind of like a baby yeah. human. It re- oh, it is. Oh my gosh. I love my dog to death. It's, <laughs> it's, you know, I, I, I do pull, put her in a stroller sometimes, although she walks on the leash, but you know, anyway, my point is it's a lot to have a family. I think, I feel like, you know, at one point it was a lot more, you know, I hate to say the baby boomer generation, but that it was just the standard thing to just have kids that have a family. I do know a lot of women who are who chose not to have a family, you know, or independent women, or whether they're in a relationship or not. But not everybody has kids necessarily these days, or in general. Mm-hmm. But. Mm-hmm. I want to go back, Sarah, to something you said earlier. Your your late teens, you had this eating disorder. You mind talking mm-hmm. a little through what that was like? Yeah, so when I was 16, or actually I can back up a little bit, kind of, I mentioned how I struggled with those comments from classmates and everything, and just kind of, I became very aware of my body at a very, very young age because of those comments. Mm. I feel like a lot of girls don't really start focusing on their looks until, you know, they're 12, 13, you know, start to hit puberty. But for me, I had always been very conscious of how I looked because of the comments that I received. And so when I was 15, I kind of just realized I was like, okay, I want to like lose weight. That was the time I think Instagram had just come out. And one of my friends at the time, she was like, there's this new app. I think, I think we were honestly in like eighth grade. And she's like, there's this new app and like, you need to follow it. And it's amazing. And obviously Instagram has evolved and, but there's still some similar aspects, but right when it came out, there was a lot of just photoshopped girls of Mm. bikinis, just think, you know, Victoria's Secret everywhere. Yeah. It was weird when it first came out. It was like now looking, now looking back, we're like, why did we use that app? It was kind of strange. I even grade. look at my first photos like I ever posted from Instagram and they were they were much different. Oh yeah. They were photoshopped a bit. They were some even black and white. Like what was I thinking? Yeah. I, I mean it was all it's all kind of cringe, but <laughs> yeah. um I guess that's how it goes. But so seeing that, seeing that those girls how they looked, all the comments I received and then dealing with a lot of insecurities. Like I was not confident, which is funny because now people meet me and they're like, "You're so confident." I'm like, "Well, I had to build that up." Do you feel confident? Is yes, that, is, I yeah? do. And okay. I feel like there's never a cap though. Oh, sure. Of, you know, yeah, I love there's that. always mm-hmm. you're always continually growing. Oh, yeah. 
And I'm sure like, you know, That's in 10 win. years, yeah, I'm going to look back and I'll be like, oh my gosh, like I was so insecure. But <laughs> I make that comment too, where I like, like today, for example, like I'm pretty comfortable with like the hair and like the, the shirt and the I look. I like the hair and the shirt. Well, thank you. <laughs> it looks great. But to, thank you. And to the point, I, I've said that like in 10 years, I'm going to look back and be like, how could I have thought that this was anything where I'm like leading with my best foot forward? Like, mm-hmm. you, you, right. So you're right though. You always, there's always growth, which is good. Yeah. There's always growth. But back then had no, no confidence. Like if you met me, I would have, you would have said hi and I would have just crumbled. <laughs> it was it was sad. And I think that was my way of controlling, like developing an eating disorder. A lot of it is control too. Is yeah, I've heard that. Because, yeah. you know, food that's the one thing you can control you can't control how people treat you you can't control you know I mean to a certain extent you can control what grades you get but you know you can't control schoolwork, all of the family life dynamics all of that you can't control that so when you're a teenager what are you going to control you're going to control how you look and food and so that's kind of the path I went down and it was very very dark and it got pretty bad honestly but did anybody know See, and then that that's the other thing. Um, I shared a little bit. I started opening up to it to my friends, but to my family, I remember I hit this like point where I'm like, okay, it's like this is going to kind of like destroy me or I need to go to therapy. And so I asked my mom, I was like, I need to go to therapy. I have anxiety and depression, but I didn't say the eating disorder because, you know, I feel like even now mental health and mental illness It's a very much more talked about thing. But even, you know, 10, 12 years ago. Different landscape. Yes. It's still very different. And, you know, my parents, you know, generation, they didn't really talk about that. They were like, you suck it up. You Mm. put on you put on a smile on your face and Mm. you get through life. Life is hard. That's kind of what they taught me. And that's nothing wrong on them. That's what they learned. So that's what they taught me. The best they knew. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm much more open about it. And. Even writing this book and kind of having all of my thoughts and feelings, it's very it's very interesting for my parents. I, I think at first they didn't know how to, like, didn't, they didn't really understand what I was doing. They were like, why are you doing this? But I, it, it was kind of like a learning experience, like having to explain, like, I'm doing this to help others. I want to share mm. my story and I know I have, like, a lot of value to give for others. But, you know, when you're going through a lot of mental illness or mental health things at such a young age and your family doesn't really quite understand. It can be, it can be really heavy too. What was the way out? Cause obviously you, you're on the better side of that. What, what how did you, was it therapy? Yeah. I mean, I would say therapy. Um, and honestly, I, for my, on my 18th birthday, I made a promise to myself and I'm the kind of person when I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Like I, there's no stopping me. And I, I told myself, Sarah, you're going to, you're in recovery mode now. Like you're, you're just going to do it. And I understand a lot of people. I wasn't like in an inpatient. Thank God. Like I didn't get that bad, but so I was never in an inpatient like unit or something like that. So obviously when you, some people who are in that situation, them telling themselves, I'm going to get better, that might not necessarily work. It worked for me, mm-hmm. but that's kind of how I got through it. And I, that's when I started getting really into 
personal development and like spirituality and all of those things. And that has really just helped me overall. And I think it really expedited my growth as a woman. I feel like I've aged a lot of years (laughs) just going through all of those experiences. And yeah, but like I wouldn't take it back because I learned so much about myself and I learned I can honestly do anything. If I if I went through that, I can do anything. I love that phrase you said that you made a promise to yourself. Mm-hmm. That resonates cuz for me that phrase was when I was looking at in the eyes of my two younger children and realizing, wait, I can do better than this. Mm-hmm. And then I just made a promise to myself to do better than this and yeah. slowly but surely one moment at a time I'm I'm doing that Jess was there does anything pop in where you made a promise to yourself yeah I mean it all really resonates with me it's like it's and it's really hard to talk about mm-hmm. I mean and it's not it wasn't talked about so openly up until recently almost yeah. and it's you know I can I really can relate so deeply to everything you've said. I mean every every day is still still a struggle in a way. Like it's it's all about what you eat and how much you exercise and different things. And it takes a lot to learn that and to learn how your body works and what works best for you. So I just I don't know how ready I am to open up about everything, but mm-hmm. I can yeah. definitely relate. That's fair. Well, I'll I'll put a pin in that, and then in an upcoming episode. When you feel ready, we'll explore. Is that a good deal? <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. That'll give the the listener uh, even something more to look forward to. There we go. Awesome. Uh, the The subtitle of your book, uh, Pretty Young, is being unapologetically female in a male's war in a man's world. What does being unapologetically female look like? I think a lot of it just has to do with owning who you are, and that means the entirety of you that means all of your like the good the bad the ugly all of it and I think just showing up as you are every day even on a good day or a bad day I think it's just that's how you show up it's just all about just showing up yes. kind of is what I'm saying it really is all about showing up and is there anything we can leave the listener with um as a as a process to be able to do that step one to show up Mm, I would say number one I mean first I'll leave you with a quote and then I'll kind of get into it but Mm -hmm. Ed Milet I'm not sure if anyone knows who he is love Ed Milet amazing um he always says confidence is built on keeping small promises to yourself every day and so that's say it again please yes confidence is built on keeping small promises to yourself every day i hope i quoted that correctly maybe not verbatim but essentially that's what he says yes we'll roll yeah and so that's one thing i always um keep in mind but i would just say look i begin to like explore who you are as a person i think like journaling is a great way to start tapping into yourself and then there you begin to you know, build confidence because you know who you are. You're not ruled by the thoughts of others. Uh-huh. Therapy is obviously a great option if you, you know, if that's in your financial means. Oh, sure. Obviously, it's a big kind of financial burden. But that and just kind of making like a, a daily promise to yourself. Like today, I'm going to show up to this meeting feeling this kind of way. And a lot of it is self-talk. You're going to, even True. if you're feeling kind yeah. of down, you have to tell yourself in your brain, 
I feel confident. I feel confident. Oh, it's a whole rewiring. Yes. It, it really is. Yeah. yeah. Our brain, you can rewire. I'm really big into that. That's another topic for another day. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it is. Yeah. You, you can do that. And I think a lot of people just say, oh, this was the brain I was given. This was, this no, is how I think no. I'm stuck. And like, no. No. You can change no. your life if you want to. It, and that's the key word, if you want to. Because mm-hmm. what I find are uh, some people uh, will will still revel in that crappy end of their life and really Mm -hmm. wear it as a badge. And now I see that glaringly because I've stepped out of that life. Yes. And it's like, okay, well, you all all good prerogative for you if you want to continue to do that and stay there. Uh, But you don't have to. So if you want to make excuses, you can. If you want to complain, you can. If you want to blame, you certainly can. But don't tell me you want better or different without taking any action whatsoever to make it better because it's all possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are, Jess. But yeah, no, I agree. I mean, and your daily happiness is like everything, right? So you want to get up. You got to get out of bed first. And then it's all about the small promises, doing what you you were planned to do that day and, you know, following through on it and just and if your routine is everything and if you, you can always change your routine you really can mm-hmm. if you want to right yeah so, and it's celebrating like the little wins too yeah. i think like we live in a society, a society. yeah especially new york like oh, it's, new york is a <laughs> it's tough, tough place oh it's my tough God. and we don't celebrate Brutal. the little wins when yeah. we we should you know and that's like how you you know live life in, in a joyous way while also showing up for yourself yes. yeah so there you go. We've covered a lot here, Hidden Nation. I'd love to hear from you as always. Hello at joshcarry.com. We spoke about the book Pretty Young, which is available on Amazon. We spoke about uh, what it's like to be a woman and quite frankly, a man in today's world and uh, how we each approach that. Uh, we spoke about what it takes to succeed, not only as a person, but in the world of entrepreneurship celebrating those wins, uh, keeping those promises to yourself, putting yourself out there, even though you know you're going to be you're going to be exposing yourself. That's tough. It's a tough pill to swallow. But let me hear from you and uh, hear how you or if you celebrate those wins, if you're ready to celebrate those wins and what you do to keep those promises to yourself. Any final thoughts, Sarah, that you can leave us with? Um, Just kind of remember to take one day at a time, celebrate those small wins and um, yeah, keep those promises to yourself and show up unapologetically yourself because... That's what this world needs, honestly. Absolutely. Jess, how's yeah. it all feeling? Uh, no, I celebrate small wins all day, every day. I mean, <laughs> that's how we like it. You do. <laughs> I mean, I really do in my head, you know. But Seriously, I do. that's no, good. No, I, I swear, I swear. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't tell you everything, but yeah. <laughs> like I said, we'll look forward to, um, I'm going to start unraveling. No, when, this is really fun. When you're ready. You're going to let us know uh, even more. And, and Sarah, please, you have a seat at the table uh, anytime you want. No, well, I know thank you so much. Yeah, I know you're local, so that's good. Um, give us a quick overview on what's happening in the world of Vayner 3, which is, of course, Vayner X's um, Web 3 division. Yes. Well, um, I currently work as a copywriter at Vayner 3. And we have a lot of exciting um, drops. Actually, I can speak about it now because it's finally launching. Um but we just worked on a project with uh, Budweiser and FIFA. 
So we're coming out with a great NFT that, you know, tracks your um, FIFA score of your favorite team. So that's fun. Um, Bud Light and the NFL are working on um, a great, they just came out with it as well. A great NFT. A lot of exciting things. A lot of great companies, which I can't necessarily speak on now, but... If you're not necessarily, you know, fully interested in, you know, Web3, I would say just start to explore. It's yeah. it's not as scary as you think it is. Yeah, I mean, we could certainly have you back to talk about all of that, which we didn't even touch upon. Yeah. By design, uh, I have many other episodes where we spoke about that. I even have an interview um, with your president, uh, Avery. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's that there we touch upon. We go deep into into Web3 and it's fascinating. And I love how Vayner is clearly leading the charge with, you know, the um, the just the the person on the street might have a hard time understanding that these major companies like Budweiser, for example, mm-hmm. are embracing NFT world and going forth. I saw maybe a month or so ago there was a um, a mocked up Budweiser can that was all about um, uh, um, NFTs and Web3. And you guys, they're, a, they're mm-hmm. a client of yours. Yeah, they are. So that's that's one of the clients I work on is uh, Budweiser. So. And what do you do? Um, so I'm the copywriter. So I work on the social team, just kind of helping both internally and external um, marketing on you know their Twitter, Instagram, Discord, and figuring out the social plan for how we're going to launch all of these cool, crazy projects. Awesome. Yeah. I agree. I love it all. Thank you again, Sarah. Thank you, thank you, Jess, for uh, coming along for the ride this time. And um, we're going to do it again. Hidden Nation, thank you so much for tuning in. Hello at joshcarry.com. Would love to hear your thoughts. I'll read them on the air very next time. We're going to do it again before too long. Thanks for tuning in. Take care. Be well.